Alright, come on, let's get settled. Let's come on in. Make yourselves comfortable. Press in. Come on. Anybody excited to hear the word this morning? Man, what an atmosphere of power this morning. Amen. In this kind of atmosphere, anything could happen. I believe God could do anything in this with this kind of expectancy, with this kind of just atmosphere in the air. Come on, let's get excited. Let's get excited. Tell the person next to you, Kayate. Pay attention. He's going to talk to you right now. Come on. All right. All right. Here's the quote this morning. Oh, man. I'm excited about this word. I've been wrestling with this word all weekend. Two, three in the morning, like every night, the last couple of nights. Wrestling. Here's the quote. Faith is deliberate confidence. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand all the time. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand all the time. Amen? Listen, we've been preaching through a series we've titled The More Series. And, and, you know, because I want us to grow. I don't know about you, but I want to grow more. I want to be more mature. I want to believe more. I want to step out in faith more. I want to disciple more. I want to follow more. I want to lead more. I want to, amen, anybody with me? Because I want that for all of us. I want more for us. Amen? And so we've shared God's got more. We've shared more than you think I am. We've shared more love, more power, more of you. We've shared there's more in your moment. And today I'll tell you, but wait. There's more. But wait. There's more. Listen, some of you are going through some things right now. Anybody in the struggle right now? And you think all you have to try to do is get through. You just have to endure. Uh, you just have to persevere. I want to show you today that there's more in your struggle. There's more in your challenge. There's more in your suffering. There's more. I got three prophetic words and a message to drop on you this morning. For those of you that are in the middle of a struggle, I got three prophetic words and a message. You ready? Here's number one. Remember the story of the three Hebrew boys who got thrown into the fire, right? Because they refused to bow down to the king. They said, we're going to stand for God. Well, listen, those boys got thrown into the fire. They were ready to die for what they believed in, right? They, they figured that they just had to endure to the end. They figured, well, either God's going to stop this or they're going to put us in a fire and we're going to die. And we're going to burn, and it's going to be ugly, but it's going to be over quick, and, and, and it's going to be good. Amen? But, but what happened? See, they had to get through the fire, but in the middle of that horrible situation, there was more, right? They, they, they said those that put them in there, they, it was so hot that those that put them in there got burned. They got consumed and died. But once they were in the fire, they said there was a fourth man in the fire. 
Somebody saw a fourth man in the fire, right? God, see, if those guys wouldn't have gotten thrown in, they would have never have known. If they would not have gone through that struggle, they would never have known the God that saves in the fire. Come on. I, I, I love the, the, the verse that says that when they came out of the fire, their hair wasn't singed and they didn't even smell like smoke. Listen, for some reason, I don't have a problem believing that they could stand in the fire and not be consumed. But the part that blows my mind is that they came out and didn't even smell like smoke. Listen, somebody needs this word today. You're going to come through this struggle clean on the other side. (laughs) Nothing from this situation is going to stick to you. Second word. You know, Daniel, remember Daniel, he got thrown into the lion's den, right? Because he refused to stop praying to God. He said, well, I'm not going to pray to anybody else but God. And they, they, they you know, they tricked him. <coughs> and he eventually got thrown into the mouth, to the lion's den. Listen, unless Daniel would never have known the God who shuts the mouths of lions... Come on, unless somebody lied on him, unless somebody put him in a bad situation with the king, unless he was betrayed, unless he was thrown into the lion's den, he would never have met the God who shuts the mouths of your enemies. Ay, ay, ay. They threw him in the lion's den for standing with God, and they probably thought when they threw him in the lion's den and they rolled the stone over the den, over the, over the cave, they probably thought, <laughs> We got him. We got him. We fool. It's over. We're done. We got. We won. But the next morning, when they rolled the stone off the cave, and Daniel walked out without a scratch, <laughs> somebody needs to know you don't have to worry about the mouths of your enemies. God knows how to shut them down. Come on. Haters gonna hate. Take it off. Third word, David, the shepherd boy, could never have been David, the king. He could never have seen himself as a king, as a leader, if he wouldn't have stepped out into the battle against the giant Goliath. The, 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 the giant that was tormenting soldiers twice David's size, or three times David's size. If he had never stepped into the struggle against the enemy that's been trained and seasoned for battle, David would not have met the God who fights our battles for us. Come on. The God who empowers us to take the heads off of giants in our lives. Listen, they tried to put on the king's armor and and give David the king's weapons, right? They put on his armor and shield. They put all that on David, and he had to take it off. He couldn't couldn't battle in that. Listen, God is saying to somebody today, you don't have to rely on somebody else's protection. God says, I go before you. You don't have to be like anybody else. There's more in you than you think there is. Receive that. If that's not for you, pass it on to the guy behind you. Anybody excited yet? Good, I ain't even start preaching. Come on. See, when I, when I realized there were no more Sundays to continue with our more series, I was a little upset because I still got more and more titles. And so, so here's the challenge today. If you're taking notes, I want you to count how many more titles I'm going to give you from this point on for the rest of the message. 
And if you get it right, you're going to get a prize at the end of the message. Because you see, I, I wanted to take time to talk to you about the kingdom of God and tell you that it's more than you can imagine. It's more than can be described. I wanted to talk to you about the grace of God and tell you it's more than you can measure. It's more than you can explain. Sometimes it's more than you can even receive or accept. I wanted to talk to you about the love of God and tell you it's more than you can comprehend. It's more than you deserve even. Come on. According to the scriptures, it's more than you can run away or hide from. My wife and daughter, since they were little to this day, we, whenever we say, one of us says, I love you, we, we say, I love you more than that. And that's God's word to us today. I want you to hear that from your daddy in heaven today. I, God says today, I love you more than that. When you, the, the offering that you just gave to God in, in your worship and in your crying out, and some of you were broken and some of you expressed the presence of God, that offering that you just gave to God, God says, I love you more than that. Come on. I love you more than that. God says, before you loved me, I loved you. Romans 5, 6 says, you see, at just the right time, when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So somebody received that, amen? His love is more than you expected. You keep in count? It's more than you bargained for. What number are we up to? See, I still got more and more titles. See, when we walk with the God of this universe, it's more than religion. It's more, listen, religion lights candles to blind gods. Oh, man. Religion serves gods that you have to carry around with you and offer food and money to. If you have to feed your God and carry him around and wipe the dust off his statue, he's not your God, he's your burden. He's not your God. If you have to bring him with you, he's not your God, he's your crutch. You better, better off worshiping a rabbit's foot. As a matter of fact, find the rabbit with both feet and worship the whole rabbit. Because when you follow the God of the Bible, come on, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the God of Paul and Timothy, my God, the God of George and Michelle, the God of Gary and Norma, the, Gary, the God of Mark and Melissa. Come on, I want, the, I want our kids' kids to speak about us like that. When we're gone, right? I want a kid like, like Sophia to say, I, I, I stand and I worship the God of Lucas and Diana. <laughs> Amen? See, when you follow the God of the Bible, there's more than positive energy. We need to kill this new age nonsense. There's more, than, there's more than good luck and good vibes. We don't need lucky charms. That's a cereal. Come on. We don't need channeling or chakra. We've got access to the throne room of God. We've got access to the spirit of living God. I'm talking about connectivity. You and I, we got more bars in more places. (laughs) 
That's a good one. That's a good one. See, when you walk with the God of the Bible, there's more with you than are against you. Some, one, somebody, somebody in here needs to hear that today because you think, man, I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to give up. There's so much coming against me. There's so much. God is saying, listen, stop, stop. There's more. Look around. Look behind. There's more with you than are against you. Woo! How can we take for granted the fact that, that when we turn to God and believe in the God of the Bible, we're sealed with the Spirit of God? What does that mean? That means God is so more that he can be with each and every one of us and there be no less of God. Now right there is our great gift and our great struggle. The gift is that he's always there. The struggle is that sometimes he's quiet. Uh Uh-oh. The gift is that he's always with us. The struggle is that he doesn't always force us to do the right thing. The gift is that he'll never leave us or forsake us. The struggle is that sometimes it feels like he has. Can we get real this morning? See, the struggle is real, family. I'm so tired of all these protests making things black and white. It's a good and evil thing. See, the body of Christ needs to rise up and understand it's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It's not a racist thing. It's a good and evil thing. It's a light versus darkness thing that's happening in our, in our society. <laughs> the battle that we're in in our culture, it's a battle with wickedness that has set itself up in high places. We got our eyes on the wrong enemy, and as long as, as, long as we get tied up in that, we'll choke, we'll shoot, and we'll protest the wrong people. Ay, ay, ay. We need to pray for our young people that that spirit of violence and wickedness would leave. We need to pray for our police officers that they would be covered, that they would be protected, and that they would make good choices. Amen? Protesting against both of them is not going to do anything. We need to stand in the place of God and tear down the spiritual wickedness that has set itself up. I want to get into some meat for a minute. Is that all right? I want to talk to you a little bit about the story of Job. This, this is why I struggled so hard this weekend. The story of Job. Job is a tough book. Job is a tough story, but I believe there's a couple of things we need to see from this book and apply in our lives today. Amen? So, so press in with me. Let's, let's get through this story. It starts in Job 1. So Job 1.1, let me read it to you. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. And this man was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. And he owned 7,000 sheep. He owned 3,000 camels. He had 500 yoke of oxen. He had 500 donkeys. He had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. That's a pretty awesome bio, right? (laughs) That's like the Donald Trump of the spiritual, you know, whatever. This man had everything, right? So, so, so Job, except that Job was godly. So, you know, let's make that clear. So Job was godly. Job was wealthy. Job was an upright man. 
It tells us in, 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 in chapter 1 that, that every time his boys, he had seven boys and three daughters, every time his boys had a, a birthday, they would throw this tremendous feast and they would invite everybody over and, and they'd be partying and whatever. And every time after the party, after the partying was done, the word says that Job went and purified his kids. He prayed for them. He interceded and he offered burnt offerings to the Lord. He said, just in case, in all of the partying, just in case, in all of the feasting, my kids might have slipped up and cursed God. So, so Job was an awesome father, right? I mean, that's a good practice maybe we should get into, right? Every time our kids go to a party, when they come back, we should pray for them and purify them. Oh, man. <laughs> Woo! Go ahead, try that with your teenagers. That's good stuff. He said, just in case my kids have sinned, just in case, you know, they curse God. So Job was a pretty awesome father who loved his kids well. He was a man of influence. He was a, a, a person that people respected, right? He had everything a person in that time could have, and he appeared to manage it pretty well. Job had a blessed life. Somebody say, that's blessed, right? That's blessed. And he looked like apparently he lived this blessed life for a long time. You don't have seven sons and three daughters in, you know, a couple months. That takes a long time. So he lived this blessed life for a long time. The Word tells us that even God considered Job blameless. Now, blameless doesn't mean sinless. Blameless just means that he knew what to do with his sin and who to bring it to. Come on. So he, he knew how to stay connected and in right standing with God. What happens next is the author of the book of Job allows us to go behind the scenes. You know those movies where we get to see behind the scenes, like how what's happening that the actors don't know is going on. So we're going to get right now a behind-the-scenes look that not even Job knows, knew when he was going through this. Not even he knew what, he was, what was happening. We, the author gives us a behind-the-scenes to let us see what not even Job is allowed to see. We're taken to the heavenlies. The heavenlies is a spiritual realm that's around us even right now. It's a spiritual realm where there's angels and demons, where, where God operates, where, where things are going on all the time. That's where the battle is all the time, all the time. And that's where this interaction is about to take place. In Job chapter 1, verse 6, it says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth on it. 1 Peter 5.8 gives us a little insight into that. He says, he says, he tells us, be alert and be of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. People, the, the, the struggle is real. We don't live in these Christian bubbles. We're not, you know, people want to paint Christians like we're them, some phony, corny kind. No, man, we're men and women. We're soldiers of God. Amen. There's a battle going on that's real. This is not for the weak. This is not for the, for the wuss. This is, this is for men and women that have stood and want to make a decision and follow God and know that there's no other options. All right, let's clear that up. So, so the enemy goes about the earth seeking who he can get at. He's seeking who he can ruin, who he can twist, who he can distort. 
We might not like to talk about this, but there is a malicious enemy in the spiritual realm with a band of fallen angels, and they're looking for a chink in your armor. That's why it's so important that we get the word. That's why it's so important that we read the word for ourselves. That's why it's so important that we stand on God's promises. That's why it's so important that we understand the word, that we have a relationship with God, that we speak to God continually, that we spend time with God, that we spend time with God's people. It's so important because there's an enemy and his angels that are roaming the earth seeking for a chink in your armor. I want you to get a crazy picture about that. So Paul tells, us, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, 26, he says, when you hold a grudge, when you get mad at somebody and you refuse to forgive them, I'm going to step on somebody's toes right now. When you keep nursing your anger and your wrath and you keep feeding it all the time, Paul says, we can give opportunity to the enemy to interact with us. Unforgiveness, bitterness, anger is a chink in your armor. And it gives access to the enemy to, to, to bring something to you. Our enemy, the adversary, his name is the accuser of the brethren. He's going back and forth in our world to see who he can get at. So in this conversation between God and the enemy, Job comes up. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on all the earth. Imagine God speaking about you like that. There is none like him on all the earth. He's a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. And Satan says, because it's obvious that Satan knows who he's talking about. We'll get to that in a minute. Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he'll curse you to your face. So we can see here from the enemy's assessment that the enemy has studied Job. We can see that he's been all up and down his land trying to find the chink in his armor. He's been trying to get at Job and he knows that he can't. And so when God brings him up, because obviously God knows that he's been doing that. God said, have you considered my, jo my servant Job? Obviously he has considered him. Let's learn something here. When we pray for protection, that's a good prayer. Because we see here that it works. We see here that when we say, God, you know that prayer that we pray and we think it's just a Christian cliche. God, put a hedge of protection around our people. Well, 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 Satan just told us that Job had a hedge of protection around all of his family, around all of his land, around all of his animals even. There was a hedge of protection. So that's a good prayer to pray, amen? God protects those that are his and those that are upright before him. <clears throat> but now the question has been put out there. The question, and this questions all of humanity. That's why it's a problem. He says, if this is true that Job only uses God for his blessings, then all of humanity and God's redemption plan is for nothing. Because God, so, so, so God wants to show Satan and reveal to us where our motives are. Do we serve the gifts or do we serve the giver? Oh, this is a Christmas message too. Do we serve the gifts or do we serve the giver? So Job is about to be tested. This is where the rough part comes in. The story teaches us that our lives aren't always going to be perfect here on this side of heaven. Sometimes God will allow testing in our lives. I know no amens for that. I know. 
And here's the other side to that. God doesn't have to explain to me and you why. He's God. So sometimes we're going to have hard times. Sometimes we're going to have struggle. Sometimes God's going to allow some suffering to come in our lives, and he's not going to explain why. But here with Job, we've been given a behind-the-scenes look. So God says, very well then. Everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself, you can't lay a hand. You can't lay a finger on, on the man himself. Side note. Unless you give the enemy access, he can't touch anything of yours or you without God's permission. You you have to understand. See, we see see the battle like it's God and and Satan. That's not the deal. Satan is a little pit bull, a baby pit bull on a leash with a mouth guard. He may look mean. But it's not, you understand, this is not the battle good and evil. It's not equal. He's a baby pit bull with a, with a limp leg. He hops on the last back leg. <laughs> All right. You got that picture. So, so he, you know, without God's permission, he can do nothing. He's limited. He's tired. You got to understand that. Listen, we give him access with the things that we hold on to. Our habits. Some relationships. Some people always want to stay high. Alter your mind with things, with drugs, and you think, well, you know, no, you're giving access to the enemy. That's a chink in your armor. Every weakness you have is a chink in your armor unless you allow that weakness to God show his strength through it. Amen? So here's another note. Even when God, and this is, this is good. Listen, listen, this, this is great. You can leave after this if you want. This is great. Even when God allows our suffering, he always puts a limit on it. Oh, man. man. Listen, listen. Your season of suffering has an expiration date. You may not know it. You don't know when it is. But know that God has put a limit on it. Know that God says he won't give us more than we can bear. I know sometimes it feels that way. I know sometimes we say, God, why do you trust me so much that you would lay so much on me? So, okay, so let's let's move on. But understand, there's a limit on your season. Take that and run if you got to leave. Go ahead and leave. You're good. So Satan leaves from the presence of God, and look at what he does. He don't waste any time. He brings destruction on the house of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 14, it says, A messenger came to God, to Job, and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. And they put all the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. So all of his donkeys and all of his oxen were taken, stolen. And he says, the word says, verse 16, While he was still speaking, another messenger came. And he said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came. And he said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties. And they swept down on your camels. And they carried them off. And they put the servants to the sword. And I'm the only one that escaped to tell you about it. While he was still speaking... Yet another messenger came and brought the worst news of all. He said, listen, your sons and your daughters, they were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they're all dead. And I'm the only one that's escaped to tell you about 
in one swift moment. He lost his oxen. He lost his sheep. He lost his donkeys. He lost his camel. All of his servants. All those that worked for him. And then the last blow, he lost all of his children. Compare your struggle to that. But how many of us have been in that place where we feel it's one thing after another, after another, after another, after, come on, I know we've been there, I've been there. It's one thing after another. The car broke down. The bills are late. Uh, the job laid off. The, the this broke, the that broke. The this one left. The this one is talking about me now. The this one is left me now. The, the this one left. And now somebody in the family's sick. And now somebody's dying. And now I lost this one. And now how many been there where the struggle is again and again and again and again and again? And you can't explain why and you don't understand how it can happen to you. Listen, I just want to let you know today, I want to give you a sneak peek into that. There's more in that mystery. Remember, the goal of the enemy is always to get Job to curse God. He said, if you take all this away, he'll curse you to your face. The goal of our adversary is to get us to curse God. Many believers with the very first messenger would have turned and cursed God. I lost my donkeys. Come on, God! I still got 7,000 camels and 1,400 oxen, but I lost my donkeys? Really, God? Many believers would have turned and cursed God. And that's what the enemy's after. What happens with Job? Job tore his robe. He shaved his head. That's a, a, a picture of mourning and, and, and suffering that they did back then. And he fell to the ground in worship. In worship. And the word says, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So in all of this, the word says, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job won Satan zero. But the test is not over. There's more. Satan again appears before the presence of God and God says, Job, have you considered my servant Job? Job still keeps his integrity even after all he's done. Even after all you've done to him. He lost everything and still he worships. And the enemy says, yeah, everybody, they'll give anything they have to save their lives, but you touch their flesh and bones and they'll curse you to your face. And so God says, very well then. He's in your hands, but you can't take his life. Again, God allows a suffering, but God puts a limit on the suffering. I know this is tough. But stay with me. Church, no matter how hard your struggle gets, no matter how bad the situation looks, understand that God has put a limit on it. Understand when you think you can't hold on, when there's nothing left, there's more in you. You are more than able. You've been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. So he leaves and he attacks Job with painful boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Picture the scene. Job has lost everything. 
He has nothing but his wife and a couple of messengers that survived. And now he's sitting with painful boils all over his body. He's sitting on a pile of ashes mourning for his loss. And he's scraping, the, he's scratching himself with a piece of broken pottery. Because imagine with boils all over your skin, the, the itching and the pain that you're experiencing. So he's miserable. His wife, verse 9, his wife says to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Can you imagine your wife saying, hey, dude, I love you, bro, but you should just kill yourself. (laughs) Really, bro? You should just kill yourself. Here's a lesson here for married people. Don't let your struggles divide you. Let your struggles and your suffering bring you closer. Listen, I hear it at every wedding in sickness and in health, for better or for worse. The truth is you will have some issues. The truth is you will have some struggles. The truth is you will face some suffering. As long as you live in this sin-sick planet, we're going to suffer. But, hey, bro, you should probably kill yourself is never the right answer. It's never the right Never what you want to hear from your spouse. I can't pay the bills, honey. We're going to get evicted. You should probably kill yourself. That's never the right answer. Am I right with the marriage class, guys? All right. (coughs) The word says together the two of you are stronger than you are apart. Come on, Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So what does Job do? Verse 10, Job replies, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not hard times? Oh, wow. Shall we accept good? Is God only good for what he gives us? Shall we just accept good and not trouble? And in all of this, it says, Job did not sin in what he said. Job 2, Satan 0. Come on. But there's more to the story. But wait, there's more. Now scripture tells us there was three of his friends that have heard what's happened. They've heard all the story because everybody knew him, everybody, right? And so three of his friends understand and heard everything that went down. And so they're coming to him to comfort him and to console him. Isn't it good when we have friends that will come and share our struggles, friends that will come and encourage us and stand with us, amen? These weren't those kind of friends. These were the other kind of friends. We got too many of these friends. These friends come and they judge Job. They come and they hit him with scriptures. How many of you love when you're suffering and somebody wants to throw a judgmental scripture at you? Thanks, man of God. That helps. 
These friends judge Job and they blame Job for the situation he's in. They, the, the, there's 42 chapters in the book of Job and, and it's beautiful. It's written like a poem. It's one of the first poetic books, right? And it's written like a poem. But if you read these long speeches that his friends give him, the bottom line in every speech is like, bro, you're wrong. You obviously did something bad. Nobody gets punished like this if they were good. You are a bum. You should repent. You should call on God. And Job said, that's what I've been doing. I haven't done anything wrong. Great friends, right? They were those kind of Christians that come quoting, you know, cliches that offer no help or encouragement whatsoever. Church, when people are going through a struggle, they don't need words so much. They need to see the love of God in you in what you do. Amen? Do me a favor. If you see me struggling, don't send me a scripture. Unless it's really going to uplift me. Unless, especially don't send me a scripture that's going to condemn me. Thanks. <laughs> you know, if I'm struggling and you can help, then help. It's better if you shut your mouth and help. Amen? That's who we're called to be as the body of Christ. All right, let's move on. So Job gets frustrated. He starts crying to God, and God doesn't answer for a season. Anybody... Anybody ever cried to God and haven't heard nothing back? Sometimes God is silent. Wow, that's tough. And that messes with our theology. Because he said, God, if I pray, you should answer. But we have to remember that God is not a genie. We don't rub the lamp and he shows up like a purple Aladdin. So Job is, 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 is crying out. He, he gets sarcastic a little bit. He, heard, you know, he expresses his doubt, and he, he reaches out, and there's attitudes in him that God, he never curses God, but there's attitudes in him that, that God is going to work out right now. Sometimes God allows suffering to work some things out in us, to mature you, to mature us, to get us a little bit more mature. Amen? Don't reject all suffering. Oh, man, that's not a good message, I know. But we need it. We need it. Do you know that the butterfly would never fly if he doesn't go through the struggle of breaking out of the cocoon? That's a whole other message. We'll get into that. So, so Job gets, see, sometimes God allows struggles in us to help us see the areas where we need to work on. Amen? So, so church, when you're in the heat of a struggle, you can curse God and partner with your adversary, or you can lean on the one who can pull you through it. The one who limits the time. The one who knows the expiration date of the trial. There's a testimony coming in this test. Come on. Resist the enemy and submit to God. There's another lesson here that we see in the book of Job. Is that sometimes we think we have all the resources ourselves. Sometimes God got to humble us. Anybody been there? Good, there's two of us. Sometimes we think we have all the resources that we need to get through anything that comes our way. We might, you know, we might have some money saved up in the bank. We might make really good money, so we think, well, I'm not worried. Whatever happens, I'll buy another one. I've heard people talk like this. Because we think we can just buy whatever we need. Sometimes we have to lose some stuff so God can show us the security that we had in that stuff. Sometimes we got to lose some people so God can show us the security that we had in those people. I know, not a good message. Hard truth. 
Here's a man, Job, who thought he had everything under control. He thought even that he had God sort of under control because he was so good. See, when we think, when we're doing good, listen, this is a whole theology here. When we're doing bad, we know we need God. Anybody with me? You know when you blow it, when you mess up, when you do stupid things, when you wake up with a hangover and don't, don't remember what you did yesterday, when you wake up hurt, when you, when you think you're pregnant and you shouldn't be pregnant, when you, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. When you go in and taking tests at the hospital and you're nervous about the results. There, in those times, we know we need God. We're like, God, you know, we tell your boy, you know, send up a little prayer for me, yo. Trying to get that HIV test negative, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying, you know, or we're trying to get this, or we're trying to, you know, set up a little prayer. We know we need God. But when we think we're good, we think we control God. When we think we're good, you know, like, yo, I come to church now. Some of us got this attitude, right? I've been to church three times this year, yo. What? I'm like a member there. Pastor said, what's up to me every time I walk in? My man knows me. That's my man up there. We think when we're like that, you know, no, me and Ephraim, the guy that sings for it, that's like my man. I texted him the other day. He's my friend on Facebook. We're like this. Now we talk all the time. The guy that leads worship, we talk all the time. He's my friend. We're in like two groups together on, on Facebook. Right? And we think when we're good, we don't need God. We think we got God under control. We think when whatever, you know, what, and, and, oh, and, and, when we give a little money in the offering, woo, we get self-righteous, like, what? We make, we make the big, long, we don't want to go for it right here. We want to give the offering, like, over there so everybody can see. Can you pass down the 50 for me? Pass that down. No, I don't even need any change, yo. I'm a tither, you know. Right? We, we think we don't need God when we're doing things. And so, so kind of Job is kind of at this place. He thinks he's got everybody under control because he's a good man. He was the best among his peers. He could be compared to any man of that time and still look good. He was a good husband. He was a good father. He prayed for his kids. Sometimes we could get so self-righteous that we think God has to answer us because we're so good. And in the rest of the chapters that follow, although Job never curses God, we find Job speaking to God more like an equal than the God of the universe. You're still with me. See, we can go to God with our frustrations. We can go to God with our doubts. Do you know that your doubts don't faze God? You don't have to hide and pretend, no, God, I trust you fully. You can say, God, I don't trust you with this situation. But you're having a conversation with God. And you're speaking to him. That's, believe it or not, that's prayer. Did you know that's prayer? You didn't bow your head. You didn't close your hands. You didn't close your eyes. You, you're saying, God, man, I'm struggling here and I don't hear nothing from you. That's prayer. And that doesn't offend God. We don't offend God when we bring him our doubts, when we bring him our fears, when we bring him our insecurities, when we say, God, it's hard for me to trust you with this. It's hard for me to believe that you are going to bring me a husband. It's hard for me to believe that you are going to change my financial situation. It's hard for me to believe that you have this under control. But God, I'm going to try to trust you, but it's hard for me. That doesn't offend God. But, but, but Job starts speaking to him kind of like he's an equal. He starts saying, you know, 
If I was there, if I had that, that I, if I can, you know, present my case to you, God, he's trying to say that, God, if you would show up, I'd be able to talk to you and convince you to do what I want you to do. It's dangerous, amen? We got to watch, remember who we're speaking to sometimes, amen? We can't get too familiar with God in that aspect. So when God finally breaks his silence, I can't get into the whole thing, it's too long, but he doesn't scream on Job for questioning or for doubting or for speaking the way he did. When God finally speaks, he brings questions to Job to put things in perspective. Listen, listen to this. This is awesome. In the middle of this, Job, Job says in, in, in chapter 9, 33, he says, If only there was someone to arbitrate between me and you, to lay hands on both of us so that, so someone to remove God's rod from me so that this terror wouldn't frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear, but as it stands now, I cannot. You and I have that arbitrator in heaven. It's different for us. This is Old Testament. You and I have an arbitrator that sits on the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. We have Jesus that intercedes and prays for us. I love it when Jesus told Peter, Peter, be careful because the enemy wants to sift you. It's awesome. We have somebody in between. Okay, but let's move on. <coughs> Chapter 38. There's 42 chapters. God is silent through the whole thing until the end. Chapter 38, God finally breaks his silence. And here's what, what, jo, what, what, what God speaks to, to Job. He says, brace yourself like a man. I'm going to question you and you're going to answer me. Oh, man. Hear this. Hear this as God speaking to you. He says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation?" Tell me if you understand who marked off the dimensions. Surely you know who stretched the measuring line across it on where its footings are set or who laid the cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all of the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in darkness? Ha <laughs> ha! When I fixed the limits for the sea and set its doors in place and said, your waves will come no farther than this. <laughs> God goes in. Worship team, you guys can come. God goes in. Look, verse 12. He says, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wickedness out of it? Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked across the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death ever been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. Verse 19. What is the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside? He says, can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. Surely you know, for you've lived so many years. God says, have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? He, he, he asked Job, what, where... What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed? Oh, man. God is showing the majesty. He's showing his awesomeness. He's showing his moreness. He says, do you know where I keep the lightning? 
Or do you know the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? You, do you know who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where nobody lives? To water a desert with no one in it? To satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? <laughs> Can you bring forth the constellations in season? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And he waits. Chapter 40. Verse 3, it says, and Job answers the Lord. Job says, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice. I will say no more. So in the end, Job is humbled and God is glorified. Job wins. Satan loses. Wow. See, sometimes God has to remind us that God does not exist for man. Man exists for God. This story ends like many of God's struggles and sufferings. It ends in restoration. Watch this. Watch this and be encouraged. Job 42, verse 12. And the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. It says now he had 14,000 sheep. He doubled everything. He has 6,000 camels. He had 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 donkeys. Verse 13, watch this. And he also had now seven sons and three daughters, which means that Job now has seven sons and three daughters in heaven. And seven sons and three daughters on earth. And verse 16, it says, And after this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. Verse 17, And so he died old and full of years. See, church, the great lesson of the book is that there are times where we can't see the whole picture. There are times when God doesn't explain life to us. There are times when we must trust that not all the suffering occurs because we're bad. But because it can also be the source of some final good. There's good in your struggle. There's more in your suffering. In Romans 8, 28, it says, We know that in everything, in all things, God works for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. If you're going through right now, I want, you, I want to say this to you. Don't rush by it. Don't try to rush it. Don't try to ignore it. Don't try to just grin. And God has already set a limit for it. Learn all you can from it. 
There's more in your mess. Sometimes we can become so focused on where we want to be that we become ungrateful for where God has us now. Things happen in this life and we may never understand why, but in the end, knowing why doesn't matter. Knowing God is what matters. Can we just stand? Come on. I want to invite you today to know God. You don't need to know and have all the answers. You don't need to know why you've, God has allowed so much struggle in your life. All we need to know is know God. Gary, would you come and pray? And then we'll worship together for a few minutes right before you're gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I just want to ask you, if, if that describes you, you've been going through hell. The enemy has tried to stop you. He's attacked you financially, in your emotions, waking you up in the night where you can't sleep for hours, trouble in your job, trouble in your family. But you're going to respond to this message and you're saying, through it all, I'm putting my trust in yes, God. Yes. I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it with my head. I can't wrap my mind around it. Yes. But I know that he yes. is good. And I'm going to keep serving him. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to trust him. You know what Job said? He said, even if he kills me, I'm still going to believe. I'm still going to trust him. If that's you, would you lift a hand to heaven right come now? Come on, come on. As, as a sign to God. Thank you, Lord. Because Thank as Pastor George said, you, see, Job, he didn't know. He didn't know Jesus. But we have someone right now in heaven praying for us. <laughs> We have someone who can go to the Father and plead our case yes, and God. bring justice. Amen. Amen. So, Father, I pray right now for each one who is raising their yes. hand, Lord yes. God. Father, you see the struggle, Lord yes. God, the sleepless yes. nights, yes, oh God, God the yes, difficulties. God. Yes, God. And Thank in God. Jesus' name. I declare that you are victorious yes, God. right now in Jesus' name. Satan, I come against you. I break your power in every situation. I break the power of sickness right now, right now in Jesus' name. I, I speak healing over your marriage. We say the enemy has no place. What God has joined together, the enemy will not divide. Yes, and in Jesus' name, I come against every hindrance over your finances. In the name of Jesus, I break the spirit of poverty. I break lack off of you right now in Jesus' name. See, you are more than a conqueror. You are more than victorious. Receive that victory right now. I speak a double portion 
that where the enemy has tried to curse you, that there's a double blessing, yes, double sir. blessing, just yes. as Job received yes. who lived in the Old Testament. Yes, How Come much on. more will the Come children on. of God, covered by the blood, receive yes, blessing for cursing? Yes. Receive it right now, right now. Double blessing, triple anointing for every hurt, for every place you've been torn inside. Thank you, Lord. If Thank you, you Lord. will keep believing you, and you don't give up, come on. God's going to pour out more than you can contain, Thank more you. than you can hold Thank in your pocket. Thank you, Lord. I release that over Father. you right now in Father. Jesus' name. The blessings yes, of God. God. Father, I ask, Lord God, give us the strength to keep on going one step at a time, God. One day at a time, Lord God. When the load gets heavy, oh God, we take it off and we place it on you. In Jesus' name, Father, strengthen yes. our yes. hearts today. Yes. Yes. God is strengthening yes. you. If you came in weakness today, God is doing something in your heart. Yes. He's rising up. <laughs> strength, strength over yes. you. Yes. And I just yes, bless you to yes, endure. Yes. I bless you to victory yes. for breakthrough. In Jesus' name, let's begin to worship. Let's bless the God. Come on, come on. The God yes. who surrounds you, who yes. protects you. He's all around you. He's around your home, around your family. See, that's what worship is. After all God's done for me, out of that heart of gratitude, I'm going to tell him how great he is. Can we do that right now? Oh, God, we worship you.